Now this is a different one. You could almost say it's freelance Bristol Mum on tour. I'm here on holiday in Westwood Ho, which is somewhere I've been coming on holiday for the last five years or so. Fabulous part of the world. And some of that's definitely changed over the last five years. Definitely going more upmarket, but still keeps its, its sort of seaside charm. It hasn't lost its village touch about it. And one of the families that's quite responsible for this is the Braddock family. The Braddocks, you could say, uh, seem to be responsible for lots of the entertainment and various businesses across North Devon, including the Pier House, which is where I'm sitting now. I thought, me being me, let's see if I can catch up with one of the Braddocks and see if I can, well, have a bit of an interview about what it's like building a business and growing up in Devon. I started by speaking to Rob Braddock, owner and director of Braddocks of Biddeford and Westwood Ho, and asking him where he came in the Braddock family line as we know them. I'm the fifth generation. That started in 1894 by a gentleman called Hobart Braddock, who's got my middle name is Hobart, which is a bit of an unusual name. Um, he started in Biddeford uh, making furniture, um, and he used to uh, make furniture in Biddeford. He used to holiday in Westwood Ho, uh, where we are today. He used to um, come down here, rent a little uh, pitch over the road from where we are now um, for many years. And then eventually he, he got to know the guy on the gate quite well. And the guy on the gate said he's going to sell up soon. He's had enough. So Hobart bought the field and then he came down and sat on the gate and then took the money <laughs> then and then got other people to come down. Um, and then over many years, I suppose, he, he slowly picked up the other fields up the road until, until he had a nice little lump of... Um, Beachside. Because I noticed on one of your sort of little gallery of photos um, that you actually at one point were hiring out tents fully furnished. Yeah. So almost like glamping before it was called glamping. Oh, I like that, yeah. <laughs> That's good actually. Yeah, no, they did. I think they used to rent out army tents um, and fully kitted out. Um, they went, rented out army tents and then Hobart used to buy old buses and then bring them down here, take the wheels off them and jack them up and buy some curtains and fit them out with furniture that he made. And then it used to be like a very sort of caravan, but it was, it was a bus, really, but just off, off the wheels. And he was quite a canny man then. He was pretty tight. He was pretty thrifty. He was pretty thrifty. Um, but yeah, I suppose back then, I suppose it would have been quite an interesting thing. You know, holidays were sort of unusual, I suppose, in a funny sort of way. And there's a fabulous photograph of him um, stood on the beach holding his surfboard that you've also mocked up and recreated. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant. Just really some, good. Just something for the ladies. But <laughs> <laughs> In your Victorian swimming suit. Yeah. No, that was, people thought I just superimposed my head on the top of it, but the picture of Hobart is 1922, I think it is, and it is one of the earliest surfing photos in Devon, um, which is um, it's in the museum over at Braunton as well. They've got it on the wall in there. And I thought, just for a laugh, we would um, sort of recreate that photo because we had the same surfboard still in the family. So we reused the same surfboard. And I went to a lovely little lady in Biddeford to sort of make me a Victorian swimsuit, which was a bit of a giggle in itself. So she made me up the swimsuit. And then we took my wife and a photographer down on the beach. We tried to stand in exactly the same spot, do the same pose. And, and then we had a photo from 1922 and another one in 2013. And it does look a bit uncanny. Actually, There's a little bit of a similarity there going on. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. My other half sort of beckoned me and said, look at this, Faye. Look, look at this. It's really funny. And I'd already spotted it for myself, but somehow hadn't made the link. No. But it's, it's really good. Yeah, no it's, no, it's not serious at all. <laughs> it's all just for a bit of tongue-in-cheek humour, really. Nothing very so when did you join the business? Was it something you just grew up with? Um, I suppose I started in the business. We did used to have a TV shop in Biddeford, which used to have... Um, I sell video recorders, televisions and that sort of thing. And I used to go down in there and work after school um, in there, just really on the shop floor, just, just meeting and greeting people like that. 
um, after school and off in, in my holidays. I'd done a little bit of work in it then, and then slowly, I suppose, when I left school at, well, I suppose I was 17, I suppose I just came straight into the business, which was in that shop at the time. And then, of course, I think TVs became um, very old, well, not old-fashioned, but there's a big superstore opened up just up the road in Barnstable, I think, and then it sort of slowly went downhill, downhill, and then it just shut. And we had a video library there as well, VHS video library, in the same building, of course, and that died as well why did that die i think that died because down the shipyard they were selling like videos pirated for like 50p <laughs> and we were trying to rent them for like three quid so that died as well um and then um, how did i get into anything else i did have a bit of time off in um for three months every year for about three years i went to america um, with my godfather who used to travel around to shooting clay pigeons and, and teaching americans how to shoot clay pigeons and i went around with him you know for three months solid saw some fantastic things over there saw some really trendy bars and bits and bobs like that um came back and we had a an old warehouse in biddeford which is still there now which used to be an abattoir um which was owned by our family as well doing doing meat and bits and bobs um and it was um an abattoir we what did we do with it, it we had it running as a curtain shop sort of bric-a-bradic shop bric-a-brac it was but we called it bric-a-bradic <laughs> and it was losing money uh, back in the sort of late 80s, I suppose it was. Um, but in America, when I was over there, I saw a really smart-looking shell of a... Um, what was it down there? It's like a big boatyard. It was very high ceilings and all that. Like the idea of that as a bar. And then we, I came back over here and started off, uh, made a bar in there called Krabby Dicks. Which, have you seen that one? Yeah, I have. Well, I've seen the van for Krabby Dicks. Oh, you have, yeah. Yes. Okay, well, the, the actual place, it's a terrible name, but it's a funny name. It got a load of publicity when we opened it good and bad but it's very trendy inside but it was an idea I saw in America which sort of gave me sort of a little bit of a foot in the door of doing maybe bars or restaurants or something going down that road um, so that's the way I got into the business really. And we're sitting here today in the Pier House and I've been coming to Westford Hill I mentioned earlier for five years and just in that short space of time I've seen it's really sort of going more and more up market and the Pier House is definitely I'd say you know one of the footprints for that it's beautiful now but not so long ago it definitely was needing a bit more TLC yeah Yeah. no this this was opened up by um my granddad called Leslie Braddock in 1959 so is he Hobart's son yeah Hobart's son yeah Hobart's son now his wife was uh blind at a young age and he lived over the road from here now when she became blind obviously they couldn't entertain at home anymore so he opened up a club down here on this premises and so he could bring his friends out and his wife and have, a, have people in the kitchen making the food and he could also entertain his friends at the same time. And from there it sort of grew slightly and then he, they added a function room onto it in 1972. Um, but basically he, he worked hard but he liked to entertain his friends really so this is how it became um, evolved slowly from the Elizabethan. So you're a bit of a chip off the old block then when it comes to the entertainment side of things. Yeah, you don't want to look at my Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> if you go on there and look at my 40th birthday party, we had a, there's a bit of a do on that one. And was that here? It was here. Yeah, it was here. We had a, we had a carry-on film theme, so everybody had to come as carry-on characters. And the Pier House itself, so your... And what was his name? Your granddad? Leslie. Leslie. Yeah. So he came along. He bought this as a bit of a function to entertain for his wife. And uh, for, well, to entertain his friends, really, because his wife couldn't entertain at home because she went blind. Um, you know, nowadays it's a, in, uh, it's a curable disease she had, but back then, you know, back in the 50s it wasn't. And was it then left, forgive me for asking, to yeah. sort of go into rack and ruin until relatively recently it was given this facelift? Uh, it, it, yeah, it was called the Elizabethan. Um, and of course, back in 1959, it was, it was the in place, really. But then... I think safe to say my dad didn't and my dad's brother didn't really invest anything in it just let it go and with time things moved on lots more places opened up around it 
and it was just it just got overlooked really to be done anything with and until about three or four years ago when we thought right we've got a lovely position fantastic footprint um you know we could better you know, really think about investing some money on this and remember take it forward i mean it must be the jewel in the braddock's crown wouldn't you say yeah it is nowadays yeah what well, it, it, it is nowadays definitely definitely and, and beautiful you've got the two sun decks haven't you yeah. that one's gone up year after year i believe um and you can hire for weddings and i spotted <clears throat> last year beautiful um shell-like fish lampshades and thought oh i know i'll see if i could buy that as a gift for a friend yeah very good (laughs) luck because i would have to remortgage the house they are you you've not been shy when it's come to spending that money at all no (laughs) (laughs) and good for you no no, those those lampshades are made in england by a company called scabetti up country um and uh, the company is called scabetti because the owners of it um named after their kids' favourite food, which, which was spaghetti, but they couldn't say it, so they called it scabetti. Um, so it was named after that, and they're approximately, I think each fish holds about 200 fish on a, on a shoal-like thing, but they're about no, 20 pound of fish, I think it is, and there's about 200 on each one. It was phenomenal money. But they are like centrepieces, really. Everybody that comes in loves them. They are beautiful, and I really thought, oh, if I could go home and buy a smaller version, but yeah. sadly, no. You look at that, they've got a really good website, mm. really good. They put them on sort of um, liners and you know, expensive houses mm. in London. Nice. Rick Steins has got one in Padstow. Oh, well, if it's good enough for Rick Steins. If he got one, I bet you. <laughs> and what's it like, I mean, nowadays, Braddock's and working for Braddock's must just be a complete way of life for you. Um, yeah, it's seven days a week, that's for sure. Always on call, really. Pretty much got my phone on all the time. Um, yeah, it's definitely definitely seven days. Um, it's, it's good fun. It's all right. It has ups and downs. We, we got about 120 to 140 staff, which is you know quite quite a sizable staff for this area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if we're not the, the second biggest employer in in, in Torridge, which is um, quite a big area. Um, no, it's very good. Every day is different between the bars and the restaurants and the holiday park, um, the amusement arcade we have on the front of Westwood Ho. Um, we've got some other bits and bobs in Biddeford as well. Um, there's, there's always something to do, and it's always very different. Every day is different. And whereabouts do you live in Devon? I live just over the road where my granddad used to live, um, in a bungalow, just over the road. So it's very close. I've got a lovely view of the sea and the surf. And you are a surfer, or was that photo just for posing? Uh, no, I have got a surfboard. Yeah, not that one. No. But um, no, I do like surfing, but it's, again, it's just getting the time. Whenever the, 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 the surf's right, and the, you know, it's just you always got to work. Now, today, I understand the Braddock's, obviously, the family line has got bigger and bigger, sort of divided into two almost. Yeah, is yeah, that right? How, yeah. does, how does the sort of set up now? Uh, the setup now is um, my dad is called Graham and his brother's called Ian. Um, Ian has four sons. Uh, they ha- look after the furniture side of it now in Biddeford and they have a funeral directors um, and they look after their section. Um, and my dad and myself, we've got obviously this side, the pier house. Um, we've got four other bars, um, the holiday park. Um, and a few little properties here and there we rent out the holiday lets um it's, it's all very good everybody gets on okay but we've all got our own little cabbage patches to look after really you know instead of having a lot of people around a table which would have been quite tricky i would imagine that you know we've all got our own things to look after which is great and what do you think hobart would make of it if he was sitting here today and could see how much this empire had grown that's right uh he, i don't know if he would have liked the bar side of it too much because um he was a teetotaler he was strict like he didn't like alcohol at all he used to come into this bar when Leslie had it and when he came into the bar the open the door the bar was on the right he used to come in turn his back to the bar and then walk to the left so he was very against alcohol and gambling which is weird because we've got an amusement arcade as well which my dad set up so he didn't like that at all 
but he always wanted to know how much money it took but he never liked the idea of sort of taking money off, off people he was almost responsible in a way for holidaying in Devon you could say um, was he? I, I, I suppose in this area there wasn't too much like that going on, you know, back in the, when was it? 1937, I think he bought the field over the road. Um, no, I suppose not. I suppose not. It's a bit, bit, bit of the cutting edge mm. back then, anyway. And is there a Braddock's the next generation? I have a son called George. He's only eight at the moment. Um, he's quite keen. He, he does. He comes down and picks up glasses and things like that, which is a good start, isn't it? Um, but would he like to do it? I don't know if he would, really. I suppose... He, I, I, see, what, see what he likes in life, really. I suppose if he doesn't want to do it and wants to do something else, I suppose you could do, but, you know, give him time, I suppose he might. He might not. I'm, I'm not, you know, not either way, really. If he wants to, he can. If he doesn't want to, then that's fine. And you don't worry about it sort of selling out and becoming a big corporate thing? You think it will very much remain in the Braddocks in some way in the bloodline? I hope so. Yeah, it'd be nice to keep it in the family for another you know, generation or two. Um, no, I don't think I'd want to sell out to corporate things. I think when you sell out, yes, you might get a bit of money for it. But, I mean, nowadays, you know, money doesn't go that far, isn't it? You've always got to roll it into something else, and there's always a tax man wants a bit of it. And by the time you go down another generation, it's probably all gone. <laughs> and on that note, I mean, slightly political question, but couldn't you do something about stopping Tesco's? Do you want Mr. Tesco to move in? There's a lot of people down here who are very unhappy I about that. Is, Actually, they're very true, isn't it? Did you see the... Um, Protest, news? yeah. yeah. Did you see the sign that said, um, hold your horses, Tesco? Yes, (laughs) and the great big mural that was, yeah. In fact, so we've been holidaying Westwood Ho, and you usually have that lovely great big welcome to Westwood Ho, and painted over was this, you know, anti-Tesco, which is understandable. I come from Bristol where there's been riots in Stokes Croft. So, but for me, it felt quite sad to see that that mural as as you arrived in Westwood Ho, because it wasn't the same sort of friendly welcome. They were so anti-Tesco, I almost yeah. felt like it was almost anti-tourism as well. Though I realise that's a slightly separate yeah. message. You know what, I, I know the guy that's um, renting out the, the shop to Tesco, and I can sort of understand why he's doing it, because the gentleman's 80 years old now. You know, he doesn't want to do that, I suppose, anymore. He wants to get a, a nice income. Um, but yeah, I do think it'll affect the village. It will affect the village, no doubt. Um, I think the locals probably won't use it. But I dare say the tourism side of it won't know any difference, so they'll probably go straight in there because they'll recognise it from all over the country. And it'll probably close a few people down, I suppose, really. Well, Braddocks can't save them. I was secretly hoping yeah. for a Braddocks corner shop here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, think we can, I don't think we can. I think they're coming anyway. I think no matter what the process done, they're on the way. I think so. So, I, no, I, we can't do anything about that, no. So, meanwhile, back to the here and now. We're here in the beautiful pit house. Do you have any more plans? Could there be a triple sun deck or, or what's next? Um... What we'd like to do in in 2016 is actually put a pier back on the terrace here. So going out from behind us, where the terrace is now, going out probably 20 feet over the cliff edge would be a cantilevered, uh, another terrace really, not glass on it, I think, because it would be hard to clean, but some wires just going right out over the cliff. Um, it'd be a nice um, finish to the building, really called the pier house, to actually have an actual pier on the pier house, it would be great. And then it would be a great focal point for weddings at the end of it as well, if you we could do something nice at the end of it and have the couple stood at the end with the sea in the background, sea on both sides. That would be nice. And do you have the licence for weddings here yeah, as well? Yeah, we do, yes, we do. Yeah, we do very, very good on the weddings at the moment. Very good. Well, well thank you very much for um, your time today and all the very best luck with the future. I'm really looking forward to coming back next year and 2016 to see the pier on the end. Well done. You're all welcome.
So then, just when I thought the interview was over, I was then joined by Graham Braddock. Graham Braddock is Rob Braddock's dad, which makes him Leslie Braddock's son and Hobart Braddock's grandson. I do hope you're keeping up here. Um, I started by asking him all about the Peer House and his take on it, and he tells the story, some of the things you've already heard Rob say in his words, but he has his own take on it too. So he started by telling me, well, how it was that the Peer House began in the Braddock's family name. Father put it up because my poor mother went blind. And father couldn't cook, so we had to have a restaurant. <laughs> and he used to bring her down here to, for they both to eat twice a day, which was quite um, quite unique, really. It's quite, it's quite an extravagant way of getting out of cooking your own dinner, isn't it? Well, it is, really, yes. <laughs> but he enjoyed it. He, he used to have his friends and that sort of thing. You know, they all came in the evening. And what, at what point did you get involved in the business itself? When I left school when I was 15, I suppose. Yeah, in the Biddeford. We had the furniture shops and things like that as well in those days. Furniture, television, second-hand furniture, and all sorts of odd things. And this holiday place, of course. And then I gather that, you know, bit by bit, some bits became more successful than others. Rob went off and did a tour of the States and came back full of ideas about going off and opening Krabby Digs. So what did you think of that? Well, I, I was delighted my grandfather wouldn't have been because he used to preach temperance in the Methodist chapel. Is that right? Yeah, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. I think it would work. And he, he, would have, he used to come in here when he was in his 80s to eat because he and Granny were quite, well, obviously very old and they couldn't do for themselves very well. But if he came in to eat, he would never, ever sit with his face to the bar. He always sat with his back to the bar. So he really was quite disapproving well, he, of he, he alcohol. He didn't like it at all selling all this awful stuff but um, he always wanted to know um, how much the till it was in the till in the morning <laughs> that was just another side of him I suppose and did you ever sort of come back and get involved in the entertainment side of things or was it very much the furniture and the televisions when I, I came out of the furniture shop my brother had that about 10 or 12 years ago from now I suppose wasn't it? And, and we went on with this the, the tourist the, the ledger side of life I suppose got amusement arcades and some other pubs and on we go we were looking earlier at various photographs of the pier house and looking at how each generation has made their mark um, and put different extensions on yeah, different yeah. parts. So what was your mark of your generation? Oh my goodness. The ballroom. I built the ballroom, yes, they did that. Well, we, we built that with some money. I had an amusement arcade in Ilfracombe and sold that one and the money was rolled into there, to the ballroom and the arcade underneath. And was it a ballroom in its proper sense, with ballroom dancing on a oh, Sunday yeah, evening? Well, that's, that's, some people used to use it. I mean, I, not me, I'm not a dancer. But yeah, people, Mr. Public liked it, yes. It was all right. And functions and things like that. And you must have seen, I mean, so much change in its fashion and its heyday during that time. Well, things do change, don't they, as you go on. It's called progress, but in somebody's, some people's minds and other people's minds, they don't like progress, do they? And what do you think of it as it is today? I mean, obviously, not I'm so long delighted. ago. I'm delighted with it all. The new name, you see, it used to be called the Elizabethan because Father liked oldie-worldy things. And Rob renamed it and rebuilt it, and it's now called the Pier House because we're near the old pier. And there's the railings of the pier behind him, look. Ah, so I'm sitting now looking at, I mean, really, you would just consider it to be part of the banister or something of of a a stair rail, but that is actually part of the old pier house, the railing. I don't know where you found it, in Appledore, was it? Yeah, I found it in the Appledore Maritime Museum's garage. (laughs) (laughs) And um, um, it was in a few bits and we offered to buy it off them. 
and uh, we donated some money towards them and um, had it put together again, shot blasted, sprayed up, and then we thought it'd be nice to have it back in the, the in the pier house. In fact, it, it was about 1875 or something like that. It was um, put together. Nice piece of work. You look at that. It cost some money today, wouldn't it? Well, it's amazing. It's amazing because it would be meaningless to anyone. Yeah, it's kept itself very well, hasn't it? And so what was your granddad like? I mean, Hobart, the man who got the whole thing started. Do you have childhood memories of him? Yes, we used to fall out a bit, but he was a very, very good, hard-working man, really. Really and truly. Nobody worked any harder than he did. And it was um, a pity he didn't take a few more holidays, although he did have some, but they were not very frequent. Hard worker. His legacy still very much lives on. I mean, oh, yes. he'd have loved it now to see the success of it all, wouldn't he? I think so, yeah. Yes, he would have. Yes, he would have. Probably watching us as we speak. Mm. And what do you think for the future of Braddocks? I mean, do you, can you see yeah. that? Is young George, do you think it's going to be in his blood? <laughs> well, I think he's going, to have, he's going to have to be well educated and very strong to stand at all on his own. It's going to be a lot, isn't it? I mean, I do a little bit, and you do lots of it, but George will be all on his own one day, unless you have any more children, Robert. But. No, I'm all right today. I'm feeling all right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sitting here, and it's very easy when you're in the pit house to kind of forget the very other many tears. Yeah, but you, what else is it that, that you've taken personal pride in, the, in the sort of Braddock's empire, so to speak? We had a year or two farming, didn't we? Yeah, 20 years, didn't you, doing that? 22 years, shooting pheasants and running a 400-acre farm at Beeford. Do you know where Beeford is? No. About 20 miles from here, I suppose, roughly. So most, can most people now today find you just sort of at the bar, enjoying a drink with someone and making the most of your semi-retirement here? Well, that's about it. Yes, yes, you said it in the one, really. That's right. I mean, I shoot a lot still. And um, as you know, up there, I won the English Open in 1972. Did you see that picture on the top? Yourself and young Rob. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's him when he was, um, I don't know yeah. what you were about, one or something like that. It's a lot of years ago. Yeah, yeah, about 12 months old. And finally, is there a Braddock's motto or philosophy, would you say, as an approach to life in general? And that goes to both of you. Didn't you tell me once, um, don't look up in the air because you don't find money on the ceiling? No, somebody said uh, to me one day, I was walking along, and they said, why are you always looking at the floor? I said, well, because you won't find anything up there if you're looking for anything. It's going to be down there, isn't it? And that's about it. So keep your head out the crowds and your feet feet on the floor. Feet on the ground, yes. (laughs)